beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. How Zachariah must have been overwhelmed by what he has all seen. With each vision, the outlook for the returned exiles in Jerusalem keeps getting better. The Lord of hosts has promised that he will return to Jerusalem with mercy. The foreign nations which scattered Israel will be terrified and thrown down. A great multitude of people and livestock will dwell in Jerusalem, and the Lord himself will be a wall of fire around his people. You can read about that in chapter 2. Also, the ministry of reconciliation has been reestablished. Once again, the high priest will be able to do his task and bring offerings for the atonement of the sins of the people. You can read about that in the previous chapter, chapter 3. All this good news in such difficult times was overwhelming for Zechariah. These visions were seen at night, and it must have been getting late by now. But his mentor angel is not yet finished with him. He returns to Zechariah, we read in verse 1, and wakens him as a man is wakened out of his sleep. Once Zechariah is awake, his mentor angel asks him a question. Verse 2, what do you see? Zechariah replies, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. Zechariah sees a lampstand all of gold. Such a golden lampstand would have reminded Zechariah of the lampstand which was in the holy place, in the temple of the Lord. But this lampstand was a special one, different from what the Israelites would have been familiar with in the temple. There was a bowl on top of the lampstand and seven lips or channels going to the lamps. The bowl appears to contain a reservoir of oil which feeds seven lamps via the lips. A most remarkable construction. And on either side of the bowl on top stands an olive tree. Zechariah is puzzled by what he sees, and he asks the angel who talked with him, What are these, my Lord? The mentor angel appears surprised that Zechariah does not know and replies, Do you not know what these are? Zechariah then answers, No, my Lord. Apparently, Zechariah should have known what the lampstand and the trees are. In response to Zechariah's confession that he does not know what he's looking at, the angel tells him the Lord's word to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. What is going on? It seems that the angel is completely ignoring Zechariah's question and changing the subject. From a lampstand, a bowl, and olive trees, we go to Zerubbabel and the spirit. What is the connection? 
The task of Zerubbabel was to build the temple of the Lord. The lampstand belongs in the temple, and it can only give light and function fully through the help of the Spirit of God. In the same way, also Zerubbabel can only succeed in his task of building the temple through the help of the Spirit. From this passage and the rest of Scripture, it becomes clear that the lampstand represents the people of God. The people of God are to shine in the world today and also in the days of Zechariah, but they are not able to do that on their own. I proclaim to you God's word under this theme. The Spirit of the Lord of hosts enables the lampstand of the people of God to shine. He provides first the place for the lampstand and second the fuel for the lampstand. After the Lord God had delivered his people from Egypt, he gave to them his law, also instructions about the tabernacle and the furnishings in it. One of the items which God commanded the Israelites to make was a lampstand of pure gold with seven lamps. You can read about that in Exodus 25. This lampstand was to stand in the holy place. In Exodus 27, the Lord said to Moses, In the tent of meeting, outside the veil that is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it, that is the lampstand, from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel. In the tabernacle and later in the temple, the lampstand was to shine where, whenever it was dark so that there would never be any darkness in the presence of God. The lights of the lampstand were fed by the clear olive oil provided by the Israelites. Before the face of the Lord, the Israelites themselves were also to shine as bright lamps in a dark world. For they knew of the ministry of reconciliation with God and had communion with Him. They were the witnesses of God's grace in a dark world. And now in the land of Judah, after returning from exile, there is no lampstand and there is no temple. But now Zechariah sees a lampstand and it's a very special one. It is not simply identical to the lampstand in the temple before the exile. There is a bowl, channels, olive trees. There is development in the history of redemption. The lampstand which Zechariah sees points to more rich promises and blessings from the Lord of hosts which are sure to come. When Zechariah saw the lampstand, he would have also wondered where the temple was in which the lampstand belonged. And that is what the angel speaks about with Zechariah first. It almost seems as if, as if he forgets about the lampstand and speaks about something completely different, the temple. 
But it is clear from the overall sense of this passage and the person of Zerubbabel in it that the temple and the lampstand are very closely related. In the previous vision, Joshua was the main person in the foreground. This time it is Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the son of Shealtiel, son of Jehoiachin, king of Judah. Zerubbabel led the return of the first Israelites back to their homeland. Since he was a grandson of King Jehoiachin, he was of the royal house of David. But it was not possible for him to exercise his kingship because the land was now under the control of the Persian Empire, and he was simply a governor of a small province. Zerubbabel and Joshua together led the Israelites in rebuilding the temple of the Lord. And now in this vision, the attention is focused on Zerubbabel, and the word of the Lord comes to him. In the previous vision, the temple was presented primarily as the place for the ministry of reconciliation, where the high priest made atonement for the people. In this vision, the temple has a different focus and purpose. It represents the kingdom of God in this world. The presence of the temple shows that there is a God in heaven who wants to live among his people. The temple is where God lives on this earth. It is the symbol of his presence in the world. There is a God in heaven who wants to live with his people on earth. As a civil leader of God's people, Zerubbabel had an important task in doing the necessary work so that the temple would be rebuilt. He had to rebuild the temple so that the witness to God's kingdom would go out. For also the lampstand of God's people could only shine in the house of the Lord in the holy place before the Lord. But the rebuilding of this temple did not go so easily. After the foundation had been laid, there was considerable opposition from the people around them, and the Persian kings ordered the work on the temple to be stopped. And so nothing happened for 17 years. The situation appeared hopeless. Israel had no might and they had no power. They seemed to be at the mercy of those foreign rulers above them. And then the word of the Lord comes to Zerubbabel through this vision, which Zechariah sees. The Lord of hosts says to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Neither Zerubbabel nor Israel have any real might or power on their own. But that doesn't matter, says the Lord, for my spirit is with you. What seems impossible for you is possible for me, and I will do it. The word of the Lord continues in verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. Foreign nations hostile to God's people are pictured in Scripture more often as mountains. 
For example, the Lord says of Babylon in Jeremiah 51, verse 25, Behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, declares the Lord, which destroys the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. Also here, the Lord shows that the nations are of no account before him. He asked the nations, who are you? The nations, those seemingly mighty mountains, cannot stand up before Zerubbabel, but instead will become a plain level ground. They will no longer pose an obstacle to the rebuilding of the temple. And those foreign nations did become level ground when in this very year, the year that Zechariah saw this vision, Darius, the king of Persia, gave a decree authorizing the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. Some of the Israelites were also pessimistic about the new temple which was to be rebuilt. When the foundation was laid 17 years before this vision, then we read in Ezra 3, many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. The former temple which Solomon had built was so much bigger and better this temple simply did not measure up to the previous one. And so despair and despondency set in among the older Israelites who remembered Solomon's temple. But now for these people of Israel, the Lord has a question. In verse 10 we read, For whoever has despised the day of small things, most translations render this as a direct question. Who despises the day of small things? What the Lord is implying is that despising the small beginnings is wrong, for it is the Lord's work that is involved. Throughout his dealings with his people, God has chosen the weak and the small to bring down and overcome the strong and great. The weak and small are able to do this because the Lord gives what is necessary to accomplish his purpose. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Zerubbabel is but a small governor in a small province in a big, powerful empire. But the Lord promises in verse 9 that the hands of the one who laid the foundation of the temple will also complete it with his hands. When this comes about, then Zechariah will know for sure that the word of the Lord came to him. There will be rejoicing and shouts of gladness when Zerubbabel begins his work and completes it. In verse 7 we read that Zerubbabel shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. The top stone or capstone was the finishing touch to the building and held it all together. There would be great rejoicing when that special stone was brought. 
because then the building would be completely finished. There will also be rejoicing when Zerubbabel starts the work of building on the foundations and takes out his plumb line to make sure the walls are going up straight. Those who had despised a day of small things will now rejoice once they see the work of Zerubbabel, the work that he will do in building the temple walls. These seven refer to the eyes of the Lord which range through the whole earth. The Lord sees all that happens, and he watches all the activities of men. There is real progress in the coming of God's kingdom. The rebuilding of the temple will occur, and God's kingdom will once again be visible on this earth. The wide extent of the range of the eyes of the Lord over the whole earth and the exuberance of the shouts when the capstone is brought out point to and hint at even much greater things than the rebuilding of the temple in Zechariah's day. This prophetic vision points to the great Messiah who was to come. For he is the true top stone. And he will complete the building of the temple of God in a way which Zerubbabel could never do. He is the capstone which the builders rejected. Jesus Christ is the capstone of the building of God's people. We think here of 1 Peter 2, where the Apostle Peter writes, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And of the foundation of this spiritual house of God, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2, that it consists of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Paul continues with these words, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The stones of this living building, this new temple of God, come from the whole earth and not just from the land of Israel. For the eyes of the Lord, which delight in the building of this temple, range throughout the earth. Soon his delight will no longer be just in one nation, but all nations will be included in his great work. And so it is that in the time of the new covenant in which we live, there is no longer a physical temple of wood and stone because the people of God themselves are the temple of God. We are the dwelling place of God in this world. It is in us, the people of God, that the Holy Spirit of God now dwells. It is also in us that the lampstand is to be found. 
As a matter of fact, we are the lampstand. Here in this remarkable prophetic vision, for the first time we see the merging of the two symbols of the temple and the lampstand into one entity, the people of God. From the lampstand of verse 2, the angel, without any interruption or obvious clear change of subject, starts to speak of the temple, which will be completed. The angel speaks of the temple in response to the question of Zechariah about the lampstand, its bull, and the seven lamps. Then in verse 11, Zechariah asks the angel about the trees. Zechariah does not have any more questions about the lampstand itself. He now wants to know what the trees and branches are for. And so we come to the second point, the fuel for the lampstand. Near the lampstand were two olive trees one on the right of the lampstand and one on the left. Besides the branches of the olive trees were two golden pipes which poured out golden oil. Once again, Zechariah asks what these things are. And once again, the angel is surprised that Zechariah doesn't know what they are. Apparently, he should have known. But these additions beside the lampstand were unusual and not part of the Old Testament scheme of things. The lampstand in the temple stood alone. There certainly weren't any olive trees growing in the temple as well. And so Zechariah answers honestly that he does not know what these trees and pipes are. In this vision, the olive supply for the lampstand is ensured by the presence of the two trees beside the lampstand. The trees provide unlimited supply of oil at all times. The two golden pipes from the branches to the lampstand brings the oil from the trees to the lampstand. In answer to Zachariah's question about what the two trees and the two olive branches are, the angel replies in verse 14, These are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. In Zechariah's day, these two would have been Joshua, the high priest, and Zerubbabel, the governor and leader of the people, who was of David's line. These two men would have been anointed in their office of service to the Lord. They help God's people to shine in the world around them, to show God's light in a dark world. Through the means of their God-given office, they assist the Israelites in living faithfully before their God in troubled times. It is here in this vision that the people of God are for the first time represented by the lampstand. This symbolism becomes much more common in the New Testament. The people of God can only shine brightly because of the pure olive oil they receive from the trees. 
The pure, clear oil is the Spirit of God. It is only by means of the Spirit that we as God's people can shine as God expects us to. Of ourselves, we would give off not merely dim, smoky lights, but no light at all. Also, this prophetic vision of the olive trees beside the lampstand is a prophecy of something much greater than what Zacharias saw in his lifetime. In Zacharias' day, the offices of priest and king or civil leader were separated into two persons. But with the coming of the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, these offices were united in one person. In Christ, these offices were perfected and fulfilled. After he had accomplished his task on earth, he ascended into heaven and sent to his people the Spirit of God in greater abundance than he had ever been present before. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and his presence was seen in the tongues of fire that descended on the apostles. And also today, the Holy Spirit is given to the church in unlimited supply. Through him, we may shine in the world as bright lamps. The vision which Zachariah saw must have been very encouraging to him. It was so powerful and dramatic, for it spoke so positively of the future. Not only would the temple be rebuilt, that symbol of God's presence in the world, but also the lampstand would be supplied with an unlimited supply of oil. Two olive trees would continually be feeding the lampstand with the very best golden oil. In a despondent and seemingly hopeless time, this bright picture of God's people must have been stunning. The people of God are God's handiwork. His workmanship. He will ensure that a witness to Him and His glory goes out into the world. He will cause His presence to be known in a dark world. In the Sermon on the Mount, God's Son said to God's people, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, beloved in the Lord, we are the light of the world. We have the responsibility to witness to the world about the presence of God. Through our behavior and good deeds, we are to give the world cause to glorify God. We are the light of the world. Through our light and our witness, we are to draw others to the wonderful light of God's presence. We are the means which God is pleased to use to draw others to himself. How are you working with this responsibility in your daily life? Is the sharing of the gospel and living that gospel 
showing it to all that you meet, a priority in your life. So often we can feel so weak and insignificant. We can consider ourselves to be only small things, to use the words of verse 10. What impact can we have in this world on our community? We can despair and lose hope. But let us never forget what the Lord tells us here. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. It is the spirit of the Lord who is powerful, not us. We are not the ones who will change people's hearts. We are only instruments. We only shine like a lampstand. It is the Spirit of God who moves and changes and brings about results. Never forget that the Lord is working out His plan of salvation all over this world and also here in Winnipeg. Just like we cannot track the wind or determine where it blows, so we also cannot track the Spirit and determine whom He will influence to His glory. We only need to be faithful in the calling God has given us to shine God's light into this world. Live out the gospel message in your life. May the joy of salvation and peace with God radiate out from you. Trust in the Lord to gather His church to the praise of His glory. In the last days in which we live, witnessing of the Lord is not always an easy task. Revelation 11 speaks of the two witnesses which represent the church in her role as witness to the truth. In Revelation 11, verse 4, we read, These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. End of quote. These witnesses were given the time to give their testimony. And after they had done that, they are killed in the streets of the great city, symbolically called Sodom and Egypt. The evil inhabitants of that city gloated over their dead bodies. But then three and a half days later, the breath of life from God entered them and they went up to heaven. At that hour, there was a great earthquake in which thousands were killed and the survivors gave glory to God. God's purpose will be accomplished no matter what. All people on this earth will give glory to him and bow before him. We are the lights of the world. Let us shine brightly in this dark world, which needs the light of the gospel so desperately. There is so much despair and fear in this world for many different reasons. May we not add to this fear, but rather point to the only Savior, Jesus Christ, and speak of the peace and rest which we find in him. Let us demonstrate in how we live and interact with others that we are full of joy and thanksgiving because we know God and Jesus Christ, His Son, 
who gives us the comfort and consolation that surpasses all understanding. And when we witness of the faith by being bright lampstands, figuratively speaking, we do not need to ever be discouraged or concerned about the oil supply. For the supply for our lampstand is unlimited. Our, our lampstand is supplied by the two olive trees, one on the right and one on the left. Our Lord Jesus Christ has poured out His Holy Spirit upon His church in abundance. Let us not look to ourselves and despair at our own lack of might and resources as the people in Zechariah's time did. For the Lord's work is accomplished not by might or power, but by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit will supply all the means necessary for us to shine continually in this world. May that give us the courage to go witnessing of the true light in this world. Our lampstand is but a faint reflection of the glory of God. This light is only a small flame. The great darkness of this world threatens to overwhelm it. But it is a beginning, albeit a small one. On the last day, the darkness will be completely banished. Then our lampstands will no longer be needed either. For then, as we read in Revelation 21, in the New Jerusalem, the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Our lampstands now are reflections of that glory of God. How we look forward to the full revelation of the glory of God. Then our faces will shine in the glory of His presence. What a wonderful perspective we may have. May that cause us now already also to shine. We do not do this in our own strength, but by the power of the Spirit of Christ who supplies us with everything we need to shine brightly. Amen. Let us now sing together Psalm 118, the stanzas 6 and 7. <clears throat> 